It's Thursday, July 30th, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on health and diet in relation to hermetic magic. And we will discuss various aspects of health and diet, including supplements, vitamins, so-called superfoods, and various diet regimes. Also, various therapies, exercises, colonics, the five rites, and energized water, advantages of the vegan regime and problems, and uh, the great grain conspiracy and genetically altered food. And so... If you want to go on the wizard's diet, tune in and find out how to lose 20 pounds of ugly ectoplasm. Ooh, boy. Yeah, I just watched Ghostbusters the other night, you know, and, 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 and we're going we're gonna to teach you how to get rid of all of that evil slime. <laughs> anyway, um, this is a subject near and dear to my heart. And that is that is actually closer than uh, uh, than just a than just a, a metaphor or a figure of speech because uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna relate some some personal stories tonight some some of my personal experiences and as as kind of teaching points in the course of this this uh, uh, this discussion. Um, and uh, perhaps Frater Solomon will call in tonight. I, I, I uh, you know, I invited him to, but uh, we'll see if he does or not. Anyway, um, let's let's uh, start off here uh, by I'll 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 tell I'll tell you some of my my problems that I've had for years and and, and uh, what I've uh, how I've handled it. Now. I was a, a fat, sickly kid, <laughs> a fat, sickly kid with asthma and, and uh, you know, several other uh, little uh, kid problems that I, that I mostly outgrew. In fact, I actually did outgrow the asthma, which was, was rather fortunate. But uh, um, as, I, as I progressed uh, from uh, childhood to, to adolescence, I became more concerned with uh with you know being uh being athletic and what have you and my my father was uh was one of these uh one of these guys that lettered and everything in college and and naturally he kind of pushed me to to go out for uh the football team and and one thing or another uh football was never really really my thing i i, I went out i went out for it but but uh you know it wasn't really my thing i i uh became uh as when i was a teenager i became a spearfisher and that was uh oh that was just right uh right uh, next door for me because i grew up in st petersburg florida uh, which was on the, you know, the, uh, the on the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, uh, we had a lot of water and 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 a lot of uh, a lot of uh, kind of neat uh, bridges that you could uh, swim under, and uh, and and lots of very interesting fish. 
that uh, that we learned to, to, to kill and eat. And uh, I always tried to eat everything I killed, uh, which was, I guess, commendable. But uh, um, uh, so I got, I, I really got to be pretty good at it. And, and, and uh, you know, in those days, that, those were the days before the Aqualog, before we had self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. And so, you know, I ended up holding my breath, and you know, for you know, a couple of minutes underwater, which which made me, uh, which you kind of had to do if you were going to actually be successful at doing that. And uh, and uh, and I had, uh, I, I finally grew up in the whole thing, and the point where when I was in high school, I was. Uh, I was going down to the Florida Keys uh, uh, and, uh, and going out on the reef and shooting barracuda and and, uh, and tangling with moray eels and, and even even having a, a few adventures with sharks and one thing or another and you know getting pretty uh, pretty good at what I was doing. So uh, then, of course, when I got when I finally got into college. That's when the aqualungs came out, and so uh, you know I went from uh, from being a free diver to being a scuba diver, and so that was what I did primarily to keep myself in shape. And and uh, you know, obviously I had I had legs like a couple of tree trunks, <laughs> result of pushing those big duck foot fit, duck foot fins. But uh, um, so I could you know I could say that 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 I had a I had a good uh, a good exercise regime. I did a lot of swimming and and uh, you know of course uh, uh, I ate a lot of fish and, and uh, uh, then of course after college I I got in the army and and uh, and as I have mentioned before I I wanted something challenging and so I I uh, you know I. I asked them for something challenging, and they gave me special forces. And at that time, you could enlist directly for it uh, for a short period of time, which I was fortunate. And so I, I ended up uh, I ended up being a paratrooper, and and uh, and and you know going up to Fort Bragg and having a lot of uh, doing a lot of uh, mountain climbing and training and and uh, and all that sort of thing that goes into into that, and, uh, and so I, I managed all through my, you know, my, my youth to keep myself in pretty good shape. However, that all sounds great, and that was good for you, and I think one of the things that we need to mention in, in magic, uh, and, and, and this especially applies to magic, is the old Greek idea that whatever you do for the, for the, the, the mind, do you also for the body, because uh, your physical condition has a lot to do with how well your mind works. And, of course, it also has a lot to do with how, with your creative abilities and, and, and your, uh, and your you know, original thinking and whatever. Uh, so you, you need to be in good physical condition, uh, I, I believe, to be an effective magician. And, and of course, uh, um, I think that most everybody would agree on that. And also, too, uh, as a result of my uh, my army uh, work, I got interested in martial arts, and so I have I have off and on uh, through my life I've, I've been involved in various various martial arts like uh, 
uh, a little bit of kung fu and and a little bit of karate and a little bit of uh, and then finally settled on on uh, ninjutsu, which of course uh, I, I finally managed to I managed to settle on that as the one that I put the most effort into, and uh, and and I've noticed since then that that a number of hermetic magicians uh, are uh, the number of them that that have been through. One of one of the various Togakuri Ryu uh, uh, ninja schools is is rather rather surprising. You find that you find that, uh, that that this is an Oriental discipline that seems to appeal to Western magicians. It also appeals to Western special forces operators too. Um, and uh, so this, of course, goes along with something else we're going to talk about tonight, and that's yoga. Because actually, uh, you could say that that martial arts, especially uh, ninjutsu, is a form of yoga. It actually is, and and uh, and, and magic, magic. Uh, although most magic in the West does not concentrate on yoga, uh, ROTA is probably an exception to that. That uh, most of them don't, uh, but. Curious thing about it is, Western magicians, if they if they don't actually use yoga in in their their own particular practice, they usually, most of them you'll find have to have uh, have been involved at one time or another in some yoga school, whether it's uh, Zen or or uh, Tantra or whatever. You'll find that they have a lot of a lot of energy now. Of course, we've uh, in in the OTA we we have our own uh, yoga, which is based. Uh, on uh, on Western uh, Western capitalistic principles, but it's also uh, owes a lot to uh, Tibetan Tantra. And uh, this, if you you know, in order in order to get the most out of your yoga practice, magical or otherwise, you you, you should be in good physical condition. We'll talk about a certain uh, a certain so-called Tibetan regime. Uh, well, might as well mention it now. Uh, the um, the five rights or the five Tibetan rights, and they have been published uh, ever since about back around 1910 when uh, they first the book first came out. This 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 little book about the five Tibetan rites, um, uh, the five rituals, um, has gone through I don't know how many different publications. This probably you can probably get it online. Uh, and and uh, but it, it's it's readily available, and uh, even my friend Don Craig recommended it in his Modern Magic. Um, we've used that for years and years. We recommend it. It's uh, a series of of uh, well, they, they look kind of like calisthenics, uh, you know. They but uh, what they really look the most like these five rites is. A breakdown of the classical yoga sun salute. Now, the yoga sun salute, which which you should do at a very basic minimum before you do a yoga, before you get into yoga, uh, you get down, uh, you get down on your on your hands and knees and 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 uh, and, and do a kind of a push up, uh, an arch your back. That's called the cobra, and then you uh, extend your arms and legs, and uh, you know, then you you uh, and do a sort of a sit up, and then you come up and you and you uh, 
and you do an adoration to the sun and whatever. So that by the time you get done with it, doing a sun salute, you have just about done all of the five rites. The five Tibetan rites the, breaks these whole stages down into uh, different rites. One of them you whirl like a like a whirling dervish. You go around, 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 around. They claim that gets your chakras going. Now, how these things uh, originated, uh, supposedly this this British colonel, whom uh, has been called by various names, but Bradford seems to be the one that uh, that I recall from one of the early versions of the book, and which which and some people call these exercises the Bradfords because supposedly Colonel Bradford brought them back from from his uh, sojourn up there on the frontier, you know, up around Nepal, and he uh, visited this lamasery and he learned these these five rites. And uh, and so he was so impressed with the, with the, how healthy the monks were that were doing these things and, and all that he decided he was going to do, to teach them to uh, oh to old British curmudgeons and so he gathered together a bunch of old British curmudgeons and and women and and he uh, he taught them how to do these these and supposedly according to the story. Uh, they they found that, that it rejuvenated them, and they over a period of time they they were they felt like they were getting younger, more supple, and everything. And and sure enough, you know, you, you try them and you you work with them, and you will find that they they actually are are really really uh, aren't do effective, and they do catch you in good shape. Uh, it takes about uh, if you do one if you do a set every morning. Uh, one set of them. Uh, it'll take you about uh, maybe 15 minutes to complete the, the whole bunch, and and you do them once a day, and and then uh, then do your yoga, and, and you'll find that this is very very good. So I've done that for years. It's a little difficult for me. I had a martial arts injury in my shoulder, and so I had a frozen shoulder, and. Um, this has been a lot of trouble, and I don't want to have an operation. You know, I, I had to have, I had to have both my hips replaced, and <laughs> a few years back, uh, as a result of hitting the ground with, you know, uh, 20 miles an hour with with carrying too much equipment. You know, and eventually my hips, my hips uh, suffered later on, and I had to have them replaced. So I have a couple of steel hips, but I'm not going to do that with my shoulder. I, I'm, I'm just going to tough it out. So, uh, we got somebody on the phone? Uh, anyway, um, so it, this, this, this shoulder of mine makes the Bradfords a little bit difficult, but, but, but you can still do it. And, and so if you have a, some kind of an injury or if you're overweight, the Bradfords will be more difficult to do. The more you do them, the less overweight you will be and, and the more supple you will become. And so, so do the best you can with them. If you want to get into the Bradfords, do the best you can with them. Uh, and like I said, they're, they're called the five Tibetan rites. I think Inner Traditions is offering the latest published version, but I'm sure if you just Google the, the five Tibetan rites, it'll take you right, right, right to them. And I bet you can get them online. I, I imagine you can. Uh, now, um, uh, one of the things that uh, <coughs> kind of cursed me from an early age was that I grew up in the South, uh, and that's Georgia and Florida, all right? My mother came from a Pennsylvania Dutch family, and 
and they loved, you know, this is basically not German cooking, and that's that's, uh, and oh boy, fried potatoes and and uh, and uh, um, well, the sauerkraut's okay, but but you know, you get uh, the. She, she, one of her favorite uh, things was was fried potatoes in the morning with eggs. You know that's wonderful. But, uh, but we, I grew up in the South, and and and, and we had uh, we had uh, uh, you know a couple of uh, um, uh, black ladies for for cooks and 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 what we. You know, and they helped raise the kids, and they we refer to them as your mammy, you know, or whatever. And so, and they were, and and so consequently, they ate a lot of soul food. Oh boy! And I told one of my black friends one time, I said, soul food made me what I am today, and that, but it almost killed me because I ended up, um, I ended up by the time I was, I was going on forty, I ended up with an atrophied gallbladder that. That, uh, that turned into solid rock as a result of all the bacon grease that my mother and my two mammies had. had uh, they believed they uh, they they honestly believed that bacon grease was God's gift to the cook. And in fact, when I left home one time, my mother gave me a almost like a, like she was giving me the Holy Grail. She gave me a number ten can full of bacon grease. She said, "You need this." Oh boy! Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, my 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 gallbladder sure didn't need it, but um, so I and and I grew up on on a diet that was very very high in carbohydrates and 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 saturated fat and and all of the things that that uh, all of the health people tell you not to not to grow up on and. Uh, and so, you know, I had the gallbladder out, and, and of course, uh, that that kind of helped me through with magic because I was so sick that, uh, with that gallbladder that I that I got deeply into self hypnosis, and I think I've told that story before several times. But anyway, um, the, uh, the the whole business of all this this high this high fat content, high carbohydrate food. That I had been raised and eaten, and of course when I was when I was diving and spear and spearfishing and and uh, running around in the, in the woods with the army and all of that, I could work all of that off. And and you can work off. And I was also I was a chain smoker too, and especially when I was a professional writer. And you know you can work that off too. You can work off smoking uh, when you're when you're a kid. Uh, especially a very active kid, uh, very athletic. Uh, you could eat, you could eat these big high carb, high carb, high fat meals, and you could smoke like a chimney, and and your body will throw all that stuff off. And um, so I went from you know from from uh, from soul food to army food. Oh boy! And uh, <laughs> I got to tell you. During World War II, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, whether you like him or not, he decided that that, that we were going to have the finest the, the finest mess and uh, army mess in the world, and uh, so he he drafted the chief chef at the Waldorf Astoria in New York and said, "You write the army cookbook," 
And so he did. And oh boy, the Army Cookbook is was really, really. It was an awful lot like like mom, mom, and yeah, mom's own cooking, and uh, a lot of uh, they did. It, it was really the food was when I was in the army, and I was in the army from 1957 to uh, to 1960, and uh, you know during what we called the Cold War, and boy, uh, the food was really good, and there was plenty of it. And and of course, but we worked. We worked hard, so you could work it off. And but the problem with that is that you develop eating habits. You, you develop this idea of I'm going to clean my plate, then, and you know, eat everything you put in front of. Oh boy, this is good. And and you get and you overeat, even if you don't need to. You overeat. You learn to overeat. You learn because you're going to go when you start doing this. You're going to go out and you're going to go out and and climb a mountain or go out and dive under a bridge or something like that, you're going to do something to work that energy off. And, and a lot of us have that problem. We we develop uh, working habits. We eat like farmhands. And Americans, American, the American diet is based upon, upon what American farmers used to eat. That's what the American diet, the, the three meals a day that... that, that uh, that, that the Americans are used to eating is based upon the upon the the early 1900s American farm menu. Now, okay, keep that in mind because some of you, a lot of you, are listening to me tonight. That's how you eat because that's how you were raised to eat, and that's how your country. That's is what your country believes is the all-American diet. We start off with two eggs and toast and pancakes and, 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 and grits and all in the morning, and then we have a great big, we have a hamburger uh, and, and order french fries for lunch, and then we sit down to a steak and mashed potatoes for dinner. That's, and the problem is we no longer in this country, and we don't, we don't, Exercise the way we used to. We don't uh, we we don't burn off the uh, the calories that we eat the way we used to, and and we are we are literally killing ourselves eating a diet that we don't need anymore and that that's uh, that is not doing us any good at all. But we're that's the way we. This is our national diet. I mean, this is how we are. We're 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 a nation of we're still a nation of farmhands, even though we, we aren't working the farm. Most of us aren't, and uh, we have to we have to come uh, you know we have to get ourselves aware of that. In fact, um, uh, one of the things that that I want to point out is is that when you finally get get yourself straightened out, eating the right stuff. And you can eat the right stuff, and and without eating the wrong stuff, and you can still eat. Eat. Uh, in fact, uh, Zandri and I tonight went uh, went to the, our favorite uh, our favorite veggie restaurant, vegan restaurant, and we had we had a what what was it what what was close to a an old traditional American Sunday dinner, you know, chicken and 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 and. 
potatoes and gravy and 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 uh, and uh, and this. This was all vegan. There wasn't any meat in it at all, and and it was very satisfying. So, you can still, you can still, uh, you can still eat like an American and 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 uh, and not not have some of the disadvantages. But what you have to do is you have to learn to eat less, even if you're going vegan and you're eating and you're eating ersatz meat and ersatz chicken and all that. You still should eat less. You don't need to to stuff yourself like you were going to go out and and uh, and work on the farm. Now, um, the uh, as far as the diets, I want and, and a couple other things I want to discuss here. You know, to kind of stay with what we have, what we have here in the outline is. Um, when I finally started, after I had my gallbladder out and I had that out and taken out in sixty sixty eight and I started recovering, I started I started getting very concerned about my health at that point. And that's about the time when a revolutionary book hit the uh, public, and this book was called Life Extension, and it was by a husband and wife team, uh, Dirk Pearson and uh, and. Uh, and his wife Sandy, and uh, they they had a whole great big book on primarily on the vitamin supplements that that Americans ought to be eating in order to make sure that they did not have the various vitamin deficiencies that so many of us did have. Now this book was this book was revolutionary because it the truth of the matter was with this American diet that we were eating this all American diet that we were eating sure we were eating a lot of food but we were almost all of us were vitamin deficient in one way or another and and uh, so Pearson and Shaw they 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 came out with this book and and it, it it was a bestseller overnight and people began to to be concentrated on taking vitamins and, and supplements this by the way this launched the vitamin and supplement industry uh which is now now a major industry and of course the medical profession howled like a bunch of stuck pigs because they were already into their syndrome that that we know they've been in for years and years and years about giving you a chemical. Whatever your problem was, they got a chemical they can give you that that will somehow or other that'll make the symptoms go away. It won't do a damn thing for the disease, but it will <laughs> but but it will suppress the symptoms. And that and and the medical profession and big you know, what we call big pharma were already under you know that was already what they were starting to do. Uh, you know, like, uh, well, eventually it, it got to be almost everything, virtually everything they did. In fact, the psychiatrists, uh, there's no such thing as a psychiatrist who puts you on the couch anymore. He just, you, you just tell him what, what, what your problem is and he gives you a pill. And, and, uh, and, and the rest of the medical profession was getting the same way. Oh, your stomach hurts? Okay, I'll, I'll write you two or three, I'll write you a prescription for three or four things. And, and, uh, they, so when Pearson and Shaw came out with this book, whew, 
the AMA was furious, and all, and 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 pharma was, oh, these vitamins they don't work. Oh, you know, you get all the vitamins you need in the food. Just eat a balanced diet and all this kind of stuff. But Pearson and Shaw were right. They were right, and that's what launched the whole vitamin uh, and supplement industry right there. And it's still going, and they're still right. And in fact. My doctor, who is who is a vegan and 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 uh, uh, very much of a of a health food uh, advocate, he he doesn't have to write prescriptions for these for these uh, supplements because they're not prescription. But he he'll tell me what to get and 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 uh, and and like for instance. Uh, you know uh, these satins. You know the the, the satin. Uh, he said, no, 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 no. Don't worry about. Don't don't worry about taking. Uh, you know, uh, um, a satin drug. Uh, take red. Take red yeast pills, and, and they'll do it. And sure enough, he's right. They did. In fact, I just got back, uh, and I, I. Well, I get into that in in, in a minute or so. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I was going to say that I, the red satin really does work, and we just proved it. Um, now, uh, what um, Pearson and Shaw were absolutely right about the vitamins, and um, for those of you who don't, who who are not sure, if you're not sure what vitamins you really need, let me suggest. That go down to Trader Joe's and they've got a couple of what they call Pantheon packs. They're 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 little round kind of little round cans full of uh, envelopes full of vitamins. They got one for women and one for men, and and depending upon now and well I don't know they'll probably they'll probably have one for they'll probably have one for the in betweeners too pretty soon. But the, but the, right now they've got uh, they've got one for uh, uh, one for um, um, I was going to say you could buy if you right now if you're transgender, I suppose you could buy two packs and then just mix them up and take one one day and one day the other or whatever. But uh, uh, I shouldn't say that; that's politically incorrect. But uh, uh, but get 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 these Pantheon packs if you're not sure. That that's but Andre and I both like these Pantheon packs, and we're both both of us are are, are Pearson and Shaw uh, people. We we both started off with. With Pearson and Shaw's book some time back. Uh, now, um, uh, one of the things with me that that yeah, I got through the gallbladder thing, got that out, but then uh, oh, then then I then I had to, to start uh, trying to fight this weight problem. Well, you know there there are essentially three body types. Uh, and some some combination in between, but there are three body types. There are ectomorphs, endomorphs, and mesomorphs. Now, an ectomorph is one of these individuals, uh, like Twiggy, or uh, you know, uh, that are that are permanently skinny. They're born skinny, and and they stay skinny all their lives, no matter what they eat, and they 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 don't put on weight. Their metabolism is so fast that that, that they they're, they're perpetually thin, and uh, yeah, that's the that's the ectomorph. And the mesomorph is is uh, kind of muscular and and uh, and um, then they can 
and they can, and that's what I am, as a mesomorph, they can put on weight, and they can put on too much weight. And uh, and uh, their metabolism is slower than the ectomorph. And then there uh, there's the, the endomorph, and, uh, and the endomorph is, uh, I could say they're, a born couch potato, but, <laughs> but well, that's kind of cruel. But uh, um, but they're 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 genetically and 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 physically they're just they're just uh, they're just gonna be they're just gonna they're just just gonna kind of be pudgy. That 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 that's the way they are. They have the hardest way to go because regardless of whether you you're born that way or not, and and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but you still you still Obesity is a national problem, and it's, of course it's a national problem that goes back to our to our uh, you know our our farmhand kind of menus that we that we all uh, grew up on or that we still try to promote and uh, and they do this with the junk food too. I mean here's this beautiful supermodel and 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 she's she's an ecto you know she's an ectomorph and she's eating this gigantic cheeseburger you know she can hardly get her mouth around it and and uh and you know this is uh so even if you are an endomorph you don't need you shouldn't you shouldn't be overweight you should you should try to control your weight even and and yeah, you say, oh, well, it's genetic, and I was born this way, and that's the way I am. Well, okay, yeah, you are born that way, and that's the way you are, so deal with it. Uh, and um, with me, I'm a mesomorph, and this means that I'm I'm halfway between the, the two worlds. And and uh, I I just, I don't know, I, I, I have... A, I put on weight, and and I, and and a lot of the reason why I do is because of you know I'm used to eating those those big uh, home cooked or army meals, and you know and that's that's what I'm that's that's what I what I'm kind of conditioned to do, and what what my psychology kind of craves, you know. Oh boy, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? And uh, so um, I I. Had to do something. I was having a after, especially after I had the gallbladder out, you know, and I had no gallbladder, and that it, that's kind of hard to control your weight when you lose that. <clears throat> so, what was I going to do? Well, I discovered something, uh, or it discovered me that saved me for for years and years, and that was the Atkins diet. Oh boy. The Atkins diet, what they used to call the drinking man's diet, and and uh, what that amounted to is Atkins discovered, as as um, a lot of people have known, that the main food that puts weight on you is carbohydrates, and that includes sugar and 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 uh, and uh, and of course alcohol too, because alcohol turns into sugar real quick. So they called it the drinking man's diet because the idea was that if you were if you were a drinker, you could still drink and still lose weight because if you just cut out the rest of the carbohydrates and you ate nothing but protein, 
and maybe eh, 20 grams of carbohydrate a day. You know, you could have one piece of toast in the morning, okay? Uh, and then you, and then you, and then have your cocktail and and have your wine with dinner and your cocktail and all that. And eat a and eat a steak. And it didn't matter whether you ate the fat too, is because according to Atkins' formula, uh, fat didn't matter. It was just uh, it, it was just don't eat carbohydrates or any more than you know than uh, and and um, my gosh, it worked. But it worked only for me. It only worked as long as that as that metabolism. I, you know, I, I functioning metabolism that I had when I was a kid, and when I was, when I was in the army and all of that, and doing a lot of exercise, I had that. I was running on that high metabolism all the way up to my late forties. Uh, get about fifty, I still had that that fast running metabolism, so I could do it. I could do the Atkins diet, and I could, and I could keep my weight down, and. Uh, Oh, I mean, I, I, it really worked. But then I crossed the, the 50 line, and it stopped working. Oh, boy. That's when, that's when Atkins, Atkins didn't work anymore. What am I going to do now? Oh, boy. Well, that's when I started, I started uh, feeling the family curse. My mother had been diabetic. And her mother had been diabetic. And sure enough, I suddenly realized, and I had to sideswipe somebody on, on the, out on the road to, to finally realize it, I was finally diabetic and overweight. Mostly overweight and diabetic. Still trying to do the Atkins diet, but of course the Atkins diet wasn't working. And uh, so... What am I going to do? Well, you know, got to lose weight. The main thing with, with type 2 diabetes, and that's the diabetes where you don't have to take a shot, but, but you've got it. And you got all these bad symptoms that go along with it, and you gotta get you got to get it under control. There's no, there is no way to cure it, by the way. You cannot cure it. This is the idea that, oh, once you get it under control, then you can go back and you can eat anything you want. That is a myth. And I mean to tell you that's a myth. You you step back over that weight line, you start gaining you get over get over your 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 ideal weight and it'll come back on you. And and just as sure so there are several myths about type two diabetes and one of them is that once you once you get rid of it, it's gone. That's not true. Now, um so what do they do? Well, I went on Metafast. Oh, God. Metafast. Powdered food. I think that stuff was left over from World War II because they had this idea that they could feed these, feed these troops out in the Pacific on powdered food. And so uh, they, 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 the Army uh, commissioned a whole bunch of, uh, I guess the Marines got into it too, they commissioned a whole bunch of uh, food companies to process this powdered food. Oh, God, it was awful. And so I went on Metafast, but it did work. It, it, uh, it, it, I, got, I got the weight off, and I got back down to where I was technically no longer diabetic. Uh, 
And then when that happened, I bought back into the, you know, I bought back into the myth. Oh, well, I cured, I cured my diabetes. Now I can eat anything I want. Oh, no. Uh-uh. And I very quickly found out that that's, you know, very, and, and, and frankly, it almost killed me. And I had, and, and here, here I was, uh, so I had to go and find another way. And, and I had a full body scan and, 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 and uh, I was, and the doctor who gave me the full body scan read me the riot act and, and, and told me if I didn't do something, I wasn't going to make it and whatever. And so I, so I went vegan. And, and uh, I went vegan. And I, at the same time as I went vegan, I, I went on certain other regimes that, uh, that uh, you know, that, that helped, like uh, the Dolly Parton stew. And I'm sure that recipe was several people. Uh, the Dolly Parton uh, stew. And what this is is, is uh, you can live on the – well, this stuff, you can't actually live on it completely, but it, but it sure helps. Uh, you, you, you get a big crock pot. And chop up a cabbage, cabbage head, and chop up about four tomato, tomatoes, and chop up a bunch of green and green and yellow peppers, and then and then chop up a couple of onions, and then a bunch of garlic, garlic cloves, and then a bunch of broccoli, and some cauliflower, and throw in a few Brussels sprouts, and and then pour in a couple of uh, a couple of uh, quarts of uh, vegetable, vegetable broth. And let it simmer all day and and most of the night, and then then you got this this you got a you got about a gallon of this stuff which will last you for about a week, and 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 my gosh, that really helps because that doesn't it doesn't put weight on you and yet it is it it will kind of fill you up, and if you season it correctly, occur even with uh, you know uh, bay leaves and and oregano get kind of creative. It it it, it tastes pretty good, and uh, you can mix, and you can add vegetables. You know, add other vegetables to it, like uh, bean salad and garbanzo beans and things like that, to make it uh, a little bit taste better. So there's that. There's that, uh, and supposedly this is credited to Dolly Parton, although she claims she never used it. Uh, somebody else credited to her, um, but. Um, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't particularly transfer the weight to your chest. But if if you're worried about that, it doesn't seem to do that. But it does. It 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 does kind of cut down on the on the on the belly fat. So there's that. And the vegan. Now I want to point something else out to you on this vegan stuff. Uh, there are um, several very 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 tasty and 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 uh, um, enjoyable meat substitutes and some of them have soy in them you want to avoid soy if you can if you're going to go one of those things soy is something you need to avoid uh, and so uh, but there's an outfit over at El Segundo they, I mean they were on 60 minutes a, a year and a half ago and they've developed uh, something they call Beyond Beef and that's the name of the company Beyond Beef and you can get their products at uh, at Whole Foods, uh, and they make hamburgers, 
uh, and they make with sliders, hamburgers, and 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 bags of, of ground beyond beef. And yeah, and this is wonderful stuff. You can make a hamburger helper with it. Uh, I I I did uh, use quinoa pasta, a quinoa pasta. Excuse me. I got to learn how to pronounce that stuff. Uh, used quinoa flour pasta and and make hamburger helper with beyond beef. And oh boy, that's good. And so you can. Um, and you could actually get by with these substitutes for for the the sort of beef that you really think you need and all that. And uh, while we're at that, I'll talk about the the, the great uh, the great wheat consp- wheat or grain conspiracy. Now, fellow by the name of David Williams. Uh, wrote a book about lose the wheat and lose lose the belly fat, lose give up wheat and lose lose your belly fat. Uh, and essentially, what Williams was kind of trying to get get to is that he thought that that more more Americans than just one in seven were were sensitive to gluten. Well, this is not true. Only only about one in seven uh, Americans is actually sensitive to gluten. So he he thought if you cut if you cut out wheat, and wheat is very heavy with gluten, if you cut out wheat and don't eat wheat, then then uh, automatically the fat will just peel away. Well, if you're gluten sensitive, yeah yeah he's right, it will. But he 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 thought it would work across the board. So. I tried that, and you know, and went on the non the non gluten. And there, there are a lot of non gluten breads available, uh, but uh, but then Williams Williams uh, went further. And he came out with another book. He said it's not just it's not just wheat and gluten. It's all grains. You got to give up all grains. Well, this goes along with something that I had had thought about years ago. I got this vision that um, refugees from Atlantis conquered the world with bread and beer. I became convinced of this. I think I channeled it or something. You know, no, I don't. I, I don't get Ramtha or whatever. But 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 some, you know, one of my Atlantean previous incarnations whispered in my ear. You know, we conquered the world with bread and beer. Well, in a sense. That is almost true because bread and beer are the food of the slaves, and and um, the uh, the Anunnaki, you know, uh, had uh, the Anunnaki and the Ajiji in in, in ancient uh, Samaria. They they uh, uh, they they kept the people under um, control with bread and beer. Nobody knows which one came first, whether the beer came first or the bread came first. We don't know. But uh, but both of them, both bread and beer, will get you into an altered state. And that altered state makes you a good worker, good slave. Yeah, and get out there and dig the irrigation ditch and grow more. Yeah. And uh, so um, when Williams when Williams came up with this this grain thing, I said, okay, you know that that sounds right. And I remember my vision, and about uh, bread and beer, and 
So, uh, and by the way, another Atlantean thing that I that I uh, go along with, modifying my vegan diet. I eat wild caught salmon. That was we ate a lot of we ate a lot of wild caught salmon in Atlantis. That's why they call salmon the food of the wise, and uh, not that we were that wise. But I mean, it, it you know. Uh, that salmon run was what fed is what fed Atlantis, and uh, uh, so I eat wild caught salmon, and uh, that's good for the heart and good for the. Uh, and I also, I also eat eat eggs from uh, from uh, free range chickens, and that won't uh, that, that that's that's very clean protein, and so uh, that gives me that gives me enough. Animal protein in my vegan diet that gives me enough uh, to where I really don't need to take uh, vitamin uh, vitamin B12 under my tongue every night, which otherwise you have to. If you're going to go on a vegan diet, you are going to have to supplement that diet with liquid vitamin B12. You have to because the only the only place that B12 comes from otherwise is animal protein. And back when I was in anthropology, we uh, we wondered why chimpanzees, who are otherwise vegetarians, why they tear a baby baboon apart every couple of months and eat the baby baboon, and they do it to get their vitamin B12. You know, they have to. they got to have that animal protein. So... Um, so you gotta, you know, if you're gonna go straight vegan, you better you better lay in a supply of uh, of liquid vitamin uh, B12, and hold it under your tongue for 30 seconds. Uh, now, um, back to the grain conspiracy. Uh, I I determined back when I was doing the Atkins diet, and and even that carbohydrates really were just really really. I, I, if I if I slipped and, and got off and and, and just a, just a couple of hamburger buns would be enough to do it, and boy that weight the little fat cells would just poof right up back, back up again. So I became convinced that carbohydrates were poison for me. Um, so therefore I'm uh, when Williams comes out with this this book on on give up all the grains, you're not designed to eat, eat to eat grass. Human beings are not designed to eat grass. Cows are designed to eat grass, not us. You don't have five stomachs, and and so uh, so I, you know, been going along with it. And I discovered another resource uh, over in Julian. Um, it was a little town in Southern California, a little mining town like Silverado, except it's more of a touristy. Uh, over in uh, over in the in the well, it's in the Cleveland National Forest too. Uh, a little town called Julian. They have wonderful apple pie, and uh, and they have the Julian Bakery. Uh, maybe under the influence of the Lemurian Fellowship, I don't know. But they they make something called paleo bread, which is which is bread made with almond and coconut flour, and it, it's non-grain, and it's like it's like uh, it's like quinoa. It's 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 nutty and it, it doesn't have any grain, so I'm I'm supplementing my my bread with, with uh, you know my 
Well, I grew up with carbohydrate bread now with, uh, with paleo bread. They do ship if you want to order it from them. It's called Paleo Bread, Julian Bakery. Um, and uh, But the problem with it is it's kind of moist. It's sort of cakey, sort of like banana bread. Uh, or, uh, you know, or, uh, it's, and it's, it's more, and you got you to gotta keep it in the refrigerator. So yeah, to make it bread-like, you, you, you have to dry it out in the microwave or in the toaster oven, and yeah, that's a little, little bit of a hassle. But, but if you, if you agree with me and you think that the grains, the, the, the grains are, are, are slave food, and you want to, you want to eat the royal diet, okay, then, then uh, you want to, maybe you better, maybe you might want to order some paleo over it. Um, I'm not recommending it necessarily, but, but it's there if you want to. And uh, now, um, see here, we mentioned. Uh, Oh, we mentioned energized water. Ah, well, that was a fad for a while, and I'm not sure that that, it, that it's particularly good one way or the other. Uh, we got some we got some nice magical rocks from Russia that I put in the bottom of my Brita cooler, and I think that that kind of kind of kind of juices up the water a little bit, uh, along with the Brita filter. But uh, um, we also mentioned genetically altered food. Now, let me talk about that a little bit. Not just genetically altered food, but but humanly altered food. For instance, why do we say eat wild-caught salmon? Okay, eat wild-caught salmon because farmed salmon, you know, they have salmon farms. They're like big rice paddies you know, full of salmon, uh, you know, the low pools full of, full, of, full of salmon. They feed them chicken manure. And they feed them chicken manure to such a degree that, that the salmon, when you cut a, a, farm, a farm salmon open, his flesh is gray. They have to dye it pink to make you think it's real salmon. Of course, it isn't because you're eating a salmon that's salmon that's been fed on chicken manure, and uh, so they're uh, get wild caught salmon, and it's got to say wild caught on the label, and then it, that that's real, that's real salmon, that's the food of the wise, okay, and uh, and as far as the uh, range, the, the free range eggs, you don't want you don't want eggs laid by a chicken. Because you don't know in these farm these farm chickeny chicken farms they just have these these hens you know in in a little bitty cubicle you know hardly room to turn around and they feed and you don't even want to know what they feed those hens and and that that comes through the egg now there's that that's bad enough now what about genetically altered food Williams was right about not just the gluten with the wheat. American wheat is not fit to eat. American bread turns to sugar in your mouth as you eat it. Literally turns to sugar in your mouth. Sugar is one of the worst poisons you can put in your body. And uh, it, it's sugar kills kills people. Uh, uh, I think sugar kills kills more people than nicotine ever did, and and, uh, and the government keeps trying to get to get it down, and uh, 
You can't get away from it by and Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi is not going to do it for you, but I'll tell you one thing you can do. The secret ingredient, and this is one of the things that makes Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi addictive, called L-phenylalanine. Now, if you look at the at every one of those cans or bottles of Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi, you will see down there a little word called phenotronics. That means that they have added L-phenylalanine to the, the, the Pepsi. Now, what is L-phenylalanine? It is brain food. It is a supplement that goes directly to your brain, and it's an upper. And, and it, it's, it's what give you, gives you the lift. Uh, it, 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 it's an upper, and, and it's a stimulant. It's a brain stimulant, and it's good for you. And and it's 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 a natural it's natural it's it's an amino acid, so don't get yourself off of uh, diet coke and diet pepsi. That you know what diet coke and diet pepsi are good for. If you got a bunch of rusty bolts, uh, rusty nuts and bolts lying around in your workshop, just just uh, pour diet pepsi into a into a into a cocktail glass and just put your bolts. Yeah, you know, put your rusty bolts in 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 the diet the coke or the diet Pepsi, and then in a couple of days they'll be they'll be real nice and clean, and you spray them with a little WD-40 and they'll work just fine. Um, so it's good for it's good for cleaning rusty nuts and bolts, but it's not good for it's not good for you. And you can get your L-phenylalanine. Go down to the vitamin shop, and get yourself a big bottle of L-phenylalanine tablets, and take one every morning. Okay, and that's um, now. Um, Genetically altered food. Oh God! I don't know how many of you remember the the, the film "The Mask of Fu Manchu." <laughs> Boris Karloff played Fu Manchu. This was 1934, and at one place in the film, he is getting ready to create a a Taoist Wu Master's magic brew. Uh, to control the minds of his of his dacoits, his his uh, slave army, and and he starts making this stuff in this beaker, and he puts snake venom in it, and scorpions and spiders and all of this stuff that he adds to this brew that he's going to give these people to control them, and. Well, yeah, this old primitive Chinese magic—it was that way. They, they, they did. In fact, they, they still have, you know, <laughs> the poor, poor rhino. You've seen these pictures of these poor baby rhinos with their horns cut off. That's Chinese magic. They, 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 the old African poach rhino horns and leave the poor rhino, you know, without his horn, and and because because they they used to grind rhino horns up, and that's an aphrodisiac. Oh boy, I don't know what it is. But that is what that is what our dear uh, food processing that that's what our what what our companies that 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 uh, that make for seeds and fertilizer and all that's what they're doing. They're adding they're adding scorpion venom uh, to uh, to corn and and and, and to wheat. Why? Well, because scorpions uh, are resistant to uh, to pests, so 
the best don't don't bother the scorpions. And so if you put scorpion uh, scorpion DNA into the into the wheat, then then the wheat will be the pest resistant. We don't need to spray it with DDT. We can we can put the DDT right, right into it. Oh God. And this stuff is not good for you. And and uh, the American wheat, as I said, American wheat is not fit to eat. Don't put any of it in your mouth. And there's all kinds of alternatives. Even if you don't buy into the into the um, you know the the no grain, there's still alternatives to American wheat. There are plenty of them. So that's one that's that, that's really got to go. And uh, now uh, I think we're just about uh, we're just about out of time. And uh, I hope that I have uh, I have given you people some things to think about and uh, and some uh, stuff to. One thing I would like to mention, and and uh, and uh, Zandria was looking around before the show, and she found a uh, an article uh, that on on a lot of the stuff we've been talking about tonight. Uh, and this is an article. It's it's called uh, Rob's Magic Blog, and that's R O B, Rob's Magic M A G I C K Blog. And Rob is a magician, and he has a show. Uh, I mean, an article on his blog um, uh, about uh, exercise, diet, and magic, which I'd like you to read. I Zandria I, I found it, and I read it right before the show. And he says a lot of the stuff we we have covered, uh, but he's also giving you some. Well, he's taking some shots at some magicians that we all know and love, like Dion Fortune. You know, what what? Why is she saying the diet doesn't matter uh, when she's obviously overweight? And uh, talking about about chain smoking magicians and and of course our dear old friend and overweight magicians and our dear old our dear old Uncle Franz Barden. You know. <laughs> chain smoker weighed about 300 pounds and died and died of a bacon sandwich that his wife smuggled into him while he was in jail. <laughs> a bacon sandwich, that's what killed him. And, um, uh, you know, so, so, uh, well, Rob doesn't mention him specifically, but he's obviously going in that direction. This is, um, HTTP stroke, stroke, Rob Joe, WordPress dot com twelve o one two stroke o eight stroke o one exercise diet and magic. However, I think if you just Google Rob's magic blog, they'll probably they'll probably get you there, and then find the article exercise diet and magic. Read it. I, I think it's quite good, and um, and. Uh, you know, and I, I, we were impressed by it. Okay, next week, uh, next week, uh, I'm reading Catlin Matthews' uh, 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 Sophia book, uh, which I mean, you know, it came out quite some time back. And this is a revised version. I'm reading through it. Got a lot of interesting stuff that relates to some of the things we're doing, and uh, but mainly from a feminist perspective. So we'll we'll uh, we'll deal with that next week and. Uh, and until then, good magic.